Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It's Friday, October 15th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs are off to the nation's capital this weekend looking to fix the problems that have contributed in a big way to their 2-3 and three start. Did you know the Chiefs ranked first in the NFL with 11 turnovers, last in sacks with seven, and not to mention having allowed the most points and yards in the league? We talked about these issues with columnists Vahe Gregorian and Sam Mellinger, along with beat writers Herbie Teopi and Sam McDowell on Sportsbeat Live Friday morning, and now it's a Sportsbeat KC podcast. Let's get started on what's becoming a weekly What's Wrong with the Chiefs conversation. Hey, good morning from Kansas City. Welcome to Sportsbeat Live, our weekly conversation about the Chiefs with the folks in the media who know them best. And with you, please send us your questions and comments, and we will try to respond. Let's take a little roll call, see who's here. Uh, Herbie's with us. Uh, Vahe, I just saw him uh, get that last sip of coffee in, and Sam McDowell is here. Sam Mellinger will be here um, at some point. Look forward to seeing Sam later on. All right, Herbie, we start with the injuries like we often do, but I, I think this week it's kind of significant, right? We already know that the Chiefs are going to be uh, without Clyde Edwards-Alaire on Sunday when they play at Washington, uh, and they've got to get uh, used to uh, being without uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire for the next few weeks. But there are some other injuries, too. It was a long list this week of, of injuries. Let's talk about those and, and, and what it means for the Chiefs. Yeah, it's not just injuries, but starters, multiple starters. You know, you mentioned Edwards Alaire going to injure reserve with an MCL sprain. So that means Daryl Williams is likely their featured back. Uh, but you got Tyreek Hill dealing with a quad injury that he suffered in week five. You have Chris Jones, who's been inactive now. Uh, he was inactive two straight games with a wrist injury. You got left guard uh, with the fractured hand. And then obviously cornerback Shavarius Ward, who has missed three straight games with that injury. Also tight end Blake Bell, uh, the backup to Travis Kelsey. He's dealing with a back injury and he also didn't practice. But that's a long list of starters that you're, you're talking about there. And uh, the one that really concerns me the most is, is Jones and Ward. Uh, we'll have to see what happens here Friday uh, afternoon, late morning, uh, what they are able to do and what they're designated on the injury report. Friday afternoon. Tell you what, offensive linemen are so anonymous that all you did was call uh, Joe Tooney a left guard, but that's who you're referring to, Joe Tooney. He will. Uh, uh, he is. Uh, he is on the injured list. Hey, what happens if he can't go? Of course, he fractured a bone in his hand. Uh, I think in the first half, in the way it was described, he played a lot of snaps with the the fractured uh, bone in his his hand. What happens at that position if Tooney can't go? Because I, I think this is right. I think the the starting offensive line have played every snap through five games. Yeah, and he's also hasn't missed a game due to injury. But, you know, a fr- offensive linemen obviously need their hands. And the same thing with Jones. He needs that wrist because they're in the trenches engaging with an opponent. If he can't play, I think the Chiefs are, are – they might – settle with Nick Allegretti at left guard because he started nine games there last year. So, you know, he's, he's a guy that they know they can plug and play him, but they also have options with Andrew Wiley, you know, Mike Remmers is a guy that can play interior as well as needed. Uh, But, you know, in my honest opinion, I think it might be Allegretti. Okay. Uh, Paul's weighed in, um, leaving no stone unturned. Maybe it was the name change of the stadium that has caused all this. I love that. Absolutely. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's got to be something, right? Big um, bit by G-E-H-A, huh? <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. So the 
it's five weeks into the season, right? And the Chiefs are at the bottom of a few key NFL stats. And I, I believe those help explain the team's problem. I want to look at the offensive side first. The Chiefs lead the NFL with 11 turnovers. They're tied with Jacksonville, uh, 11 turnovers. How about this? Only Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence have more picks this season than Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes has six, and uh, I, I think Wilson has nine, and Trevor Lawrence has eight. There's a couple other was a couple others with six as well, but uh, Mahomes with with six, uh, which matches his total from last year, surpasses his total from two years ago, and this feeds into a story that uh, that uh, was posted on KansasCity.com this morning, and will be in the Sunday editions of the Kansas City Star that Sam McDowell wrote, which I thought was terrific. Sam, you tried to explain what's going on on the offensive side, and uh, what, what kind of opened my eyes a little bit was that the Chiefs offense still, you know, on record pace in some areas for production, and yet, you know, can't, um, you know, the, the turnovers are, are certainly killing them. But you know, can't generate enough offense to to win more than two games. What were your big takeaways as you were putting that story together? Yeah, you know, the original concept came from the fact, um, actually, in preseason when Eric Bieniemy had mentioned the three of us uh, or the four of us um, have heard Eric Bieniemy so often say that every play is supposed to be a touchdown um, to the to the point where you rolled your eyes, you'd heard it so many press conferences. He wasn't saying that this year in preseason. He was saying that they have to accept the fact that not every play is going to be a touchdown. Um, well, that derived from knowing that teams would play them the way that the Buccaneers played them in last year's Super Bowl because that was so effective. So in five weeks, those are the types of defenses they've seen, which is teams aren't blitzing. You know, Patrick Mahomes is facing fewer blitzes than he's ever faced before in his life. The Chiefs have fewer eight-man boxes, meaning there's there's fewer guys at the line of defenders at the line of scrimmage. They're facing fewer of those than every other team in the NFL. In fact, the two running backs that have faced the fewest are Daryl Williams and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, both Chiefs running backs. Um, by a significant margin, you know, Derrick Henry of the Titans, for example, sees them 10 times as often as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does. So it's, you know, I wanted to just see the effectiveness of how the Chiefs have, have combated that. And, you know, I, I was actually was surprised to see that they are setting or, or on historic paces with, with how often they're scoring. For example, they, they score 3.34 points per drive. Second, the entire NFL is 3.02. Uh, I mean, that, that is a significant margin. I mean, that's 10% better than everybody else in football. So you say, why do teams keep playing that? Well, it is because of the turnovers. And, and the relation there is the more snaps that you force this team to have, the more opportunities something can go wrong, even if that something is a bit of luck. You know, I still think that these Patrick Mahomes interceptions, a lot of them have been a case of bad luck, including both of them against Buffalo. Now, you know, one ball goes through Tyree Kill's arms. The other, the other Gregory Rosal makes an incredible play. So, you know, that's not luck on his part. I do think it's bad luck on Patrick Mahomes' part that he just tries to throw a quick out and it's intercepted. But that's the whole idea is if you can make them run 10, 11 plays in an offensive drive, if you can have one of them go your way or you can force one big penalty and all of a sudden you, you've got them in first and 20, that's when you go all out. That's what teams are doing to them and why, even though the Chiefs are moving the ball at historic pace, 
that they're still not winning games. And another part of the concept for me was just hearing these coaches talk so much about, oh, if you just cut down on the turnovers, you'll be fine. That has been the case. Statistically, if they do cut out these turnovers, you know, we've seen that this team can roll. We saw that happen in Philadelphia. Nobody talked about the fact that, you know, it, as, as a team figured out the Chiefs after we left Philadelphia, you know, the Eagles actually played the exact same defense that a lot of these other teams are playing. The, the Chiefs just did not turn the ball over, and that's why we saw them not punt. It's why we saw them have just an incredible day offensively. Yeah, six touchdowns, right, against uh, against the Eagles, uh, or seven. I can't remember, but it was uh, it was a great offensive day. And Sam Ellinger has joined us. Hey, Sam. What's up, guys? Good to see you, buddy. Talking about the Chiefs' offense, uh, and Sam McDowell, I really – I really thought it was instructive that the, the the example that you used was the first series against the Chargers. Um, that that's kind of defined. I, I I don't know. I would add to that the first series against the Bills too, when they drove uh, what fifty six yards and seventeen plays and got a field goal out of that. Yeah. Uh, but the one against the Chargers uh, was is, is even a better uh, description of that, just because of the way that drive ended. Yeah, you know, they did not have a third down on that drive. So, you know, they they were rolling through the Chargers, and all of a sudden it's just a ball that goes off Marcus Kemp's shoulder pads, and Asante Samuel Jr. does make a really good play on the back end, but it's not like he's in coverage there. I mean, I mean, he's beat on the play. Marcus Kemp is wide open. And like I said, that that's the whole point. If you can make them run 10, 11, 12 plays down the field to, to score a touchdown, that, that's 10, 11 times that they have a chance to screw something up rather than four or five times. And that's just what teams are banking on right now. It's, it's sort of conceding the fact that we need help to stop this team. We need them to screw up to, to help us get the stop. But right now, the Chiefs are obliging. They are indeed. Um, and then you look at the games uh, in which they, they had no turnovers against the Browns and one against the Eagles, uh, four against the Chargers and Bills, and two against the Ravens, including. Uh, that terribly timed fumble at the end of the game. So, right, I mean, in five games, 11 turnovers, 10 of them have come in the three losses, one, uh, you know, one in the two, you know, overall in the two victories. So I, I think there's a lot of merit to that. that um, and, and what Patrick, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid have said as much this week, you know, the, you take care of the ball and and, and, and this offense, uh, who, who knows what the record would be? What if, what if the Chiefs had averaged one turnover a game this season and not, you know, and not two plus, uh, what would this team's record be? Where would they be right now? I don't know if they beat the bills. That was a little bit of an eye opener for me, the way, um, the, the way Buffalo came into Kansas city and, and handled the chiefs. But I mean, you got to think they, you know, they beat Baltimore and, and, um, the chargers with zero or one turnover. Agreed. I, I do Blair. And, and, you know, one of the things Sam broke down these numbers so well, but, um, a couple others that have stuck out to me. So it's the, the turnover ratio in the losses is 10 to two. And all those turnovers were in the first quarter against, uh, against the Ravens, right? Tyron Matthew comes back and gets two interceptions and 11 straight turnovers uh, that the chiefs have uh, surrendered without getting one. So one of the things I I've been brushing up on a little bit is just the, the turnover ratio itself. And I, you guys may have known this number, but uh, it's pretty impressive in the Andy Reid tenure with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are plus 83 in turnovers during Andy Reid's time uh, and minus seven this season. It's just completely uncharacteristic. Um, and so I, 
you know, you have the thought that it's an aberration. Um, and it, some of these turnovers really have been quirky. Um, you know, a couple of Patrick's, as, as Sam noted, uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire fumbles twice after something like 700 touches with one fumble in his college and uh, pro career. Uh, Tyree Kill loses a fumble for the first time in five years, has a ball glance off his hands. All these things are 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 maybe the most opposite thing we've seen about these Chiefs than um, than years past, than the recent past. And it, it, to me, it, it hits right at the double edged sword of what what is it we're supposed to expect now? Is are these the new Chiefs? Is that is that how they're going to be, or is there you know legitimate reason to think they can revert to uh, to the mean on that? Of course, part of the formula. And this is a, I think this is the harder part of the formula. I, I, I think they're going to tame, tame the turnovers a little bit, but are they going to get them? Are they going to, are they going to generate them? And between the lack of pass rush and other defensive issues, that, that, that to me is the, 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 the biggest question going at all. Now, I don't, I don't think we can expect the defense is going to start stuffing other teams, but can we legitimately expect the defense to just create some turnovers? The, the defense, um, I'm glad you brought that up. The defense, <laughs> they're, they're a problem, like obviously, but um, part of it is, um, and I was on the radio the other day and they asked this question. It's a basic question. I just, I had legitimately had no answer. They said, what is it that the Chiefs defense does well, right? Like, I, I don't, I really don't know. And stop being a smart, like, I just don't know what that answer is. In 2018, we can make all the Bob Sutton jokes that we want, but they rush the passer. You know, I think they led the league in sacks and pressures and once in a while they got turnovers like there's just nothing from the defense like that right now. And um, and I think these dots are there. I don't know if they should be connected, but they could be connected. I just wonder because what you said is, is, is so true about this being um, out of character for the offense. Like it's easy. I don't think people outside Kansas City realize that Patrick Mahomes led the league in interception percentage last year. He, he was the most trustworthy quarterback with the ball in the entire league last year. And I just, I wonder, uncharacteristic Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, all these things that you mentioned, um, kind of some bad luck with the Marcus Kemp, um, you know, the Tyreek Hill off the hands and stuff. But um, I just wonder if there are, and we've talked about this a little before, but just the offense sees what the defense is doing and they can say, we don't worry about that. We're trying to score a touchdown every time anyway, but they, understand what's going on and i just wonder about the third down interceptions that sam mcdowell has broken down before and i also think that the josh gordon pass his catch against the bills like that stood out to me too that was a first down and mahomes is running away from the line of scrimmage at like a 45 degree angle and throws like basically behind his left shoulder into traffic to and look they completed the pass so nobody thinks twice about it but like that's a risky play that i don't think mahomes makes last year i just I, I wonder if they're pressing a little bit because of what they know the defense is doing so if the defense gets a little bit better maybe those turnovers slow down it's kind of a, a, a snowball there's a related point to that that eric Bianami made yesterday which is on the turnovers there gets a point to where you talk about them too much within the own team um, you know, he said as a player, he hated when a coach was like, don't turn the ball over, don't fumble, because then when you're running the ball, that's what you're thinking about rather than thinking about hitting the hole and, and things of that nature. So he sort of implied that he hasn't brought up the turnovers a lot. You know, this team knows they're turning the ball over too much. Patrick Mahomes talks about it all the time. But do you want to break character with a guy that, you know, won the MVP in 2018? We all think is probably the best quarterback in the NFL still, regardless of how things are going right now. 
do you want to do anything that disrupts the way he's playing? And I, I think the answer is no. And I think Eric Bieniemy yesterday was saying that the answer is no. But didn't he also say that that maybe maybe we need to see a little more? I don't know if "reined in" is the right word, but uh, but you know, a little more conservative play from from Mahomes. Kind of take what's what the defense is giving. If if that means dumping the ball to a running back, going under, you know, going underneath, taking the taking the four or five yard gain, which has not been Mahomes' style, but sort of more of a a Tom Brady approach, right? Um, when 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 it's not there, just to to look short and 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 and, and you know, put yourself in second and five instead of second and ten. Uh, I thought I heard the enemy say something to that effect as well. Yeah, but, you know, they are doing that. Um, you know, I mean, when you look at the averages, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, is throwing less downfield than he ever has in his career. You know, there is the average, I think, air yards on his passes this year is 7.7. And it's been 8.5 last year, which was already a career low last year. Um, you know, every single one of his receivers, their yards before catch, um, basically the the how far downfield they are when they receive the ball. Travis Kelsey's at a career low. McCall Hardman is almost three times lower than what he was his rookie year. Uh, Tyreek Hill's at a career low. So they are running these short routes to combat what teams are giving them. And Mahomes is throwing those routes. Um, I guess what I'm saying is that, to your point, Blair, they have to take that because that's what the, is what's there. And my point was more about when that isn't there, what do you do? And Mahomes has been so good at being off script. And that's the part I don't think they want him to lose because I don't think they just want it in his head. Don't turn the ball over. Don't turn the ball over. Just get rid of it because he's been so good at just making something out of nothing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. Uh, let's stay with the offense just for a couple more minutes here. Hey, Herbie, so with, with Clyde Edwards-Alaire out, uh, it, it, it is Daryl Williams going to get his first NFL start on Sunday. It appears. Uh, I, I loved what he said about it in the press conference on Wednesday when he met the when he met the media. That his uh, you know his mom uh, and he watched the draft together. He was undrafted, and how much that upset his mom. But uh, but here he is in his fourth. I think it's his fourth season, right, in the NFL, and going to make his first NFL start. How does how does this ch- change the Chiefs at that position with Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon 
and I don't know, Gore, uh, they're, they're the three options now at running back. Well, if anything, he's, he's a different style of runner than Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Alaire is, is the kind that you want to get in space. He's explosive in space, whereas Daryl Williams can can actually hit the hit, hit the holes between the tackles. He's, he's a more punishing runner. Uh, he's more physical. And, and so when you look at what his skill set is compared to CEH, you know, it is night and day, but the Chiefs shouldn't change too much what they want to do on offense. Let's not forget, he was the guy that they leaned on during the playoffs last year because Clyde Edwards-Alaire was still dealing with the high ankle sprain. He was never 100%. So he's a guy who can get you those tough yards, uh, and I don't think they need to change too much. He might not be – you know, they might have to scale some of the plays back that they're calling for Edwards-Alaire, but not so much for uh, for Williams. It, it, these, these are probably going to be more your straight-up type runs. Yeah, and we're going to see more of Jarek McKinnon. I think three he had two receptions against the Bills, three for the year and one rushing attempt. So I think we're going to get to see a lot more, really, of, of Jarek McKinnon and see what he's about this Sunday in, in Washington. We spent a lot of time talking about the offense, and maybe that's just because it sort of has kind of defined the Chiefs, right, in the Patrick Mahomes era. But uh, the defense is really, as I said earlier, you know, the Chiefs lead the NFL in certain categories or they're at the bottom of the NFL in certain categories. And uh, other uh, included in that uh, on that list are their last in points allowed, yards allowed, um, and their seven sacks are the fewest by an NFL team after five games. So where do, where do you start? I mean, there, there's, there's absolutely a, you know, a, a poster person for the ills of the Chiefs defense and he was identified pretty clearly in, in Thursday's media availability. And, and uh, Melly, I know that you took off of that. And, and look, we, it, we just kind of put it out in the, in the public sphere, what everybody's been talking about. And ever since, I don't know, maybe the, that, the photograph in the, you know, in, the, in the star and everywhere else that showed uh, from last week's game, Tyron Matthew with his arms up in the air in frustration as – uh, Dawson Knox got behind Daniel Sorensen for the long touchdown reception. So I'll just say this before, but I want you, Sam, to to take over. Um, I liked what Steve Spagnolo said. It's not one guy. It never is one guy, but one guy certainly has taken the brunt of the blame for this, and it's been the most visible you know, problem for the defense this season. Yeah, Um yeah, I mean, what he said is like undeniably true, right? That it's not one guy. Um, if if the other 10 were all playing well, they could get away with one guy being this bad. Um, but they're not and they can't, you know, and it's uh, I, I just there was never a big margin for error with Sorensen. I think he's always kind of, you know, a guy that can get you some snaps, but you don't want to rely on, um, you know, this is his third season uh, as a full time starter. Um, at least so far this season as a full-time starter. Um, and the other two were injuries. The other two is when when Eric Berry, um, was that was that the knee year or whatever? Eric Berry missed a year and uh, and then last year with Juan Thornhill. Um, he's not tackling. Um, he's, you know, his thing is he's a smart player that's in the right positions, right? But he's been in the wrong positions a lot this season. And, um, you know, I go back to that Baltimore game and I know this is like a small sample or whatever, but one Thornhill played 11 snaps that game and two of them were Tyron Matthews interceptions. And I'm saying like <laughs> that the interceptions were because of Matthew, but I think that when there's better coverage, you're more likely to force the other quarterback to, 
you know, throw through a tight window or at least not find the wide open Dawson Knox or Steph Diggs downfield for a backbreaking touchdown. So one Thornhill, I think the other part of that is that he's a really good complement with an E to um, Tyron Matthews skill set. He's rangy, he's athletic, he's, you know, sort of that center field kind of free safety. And I think that that can help them. Um, And if nothing else, I think they're just, you got to fix something. Like even if, even if the gap wasn't as big as we all think it is, uh, you just can't keep doing the same things right now. I think that's a good point. Just maybe symbolically you have to do something this week, but listen, um, coach NFL coaches don't play favorites. They're not, um, you know, they're not trying to punish somebody by not playing them or there, there has been a reason why Juan Thornhill hasn't gotten more snaps than he has. In fact, if you if you look at Thornhill's percentage of defensive snaps in his career, he, he started all 16 games and played 89% of the snaps as a rookie when he was a uh, NFL All Rookie performer. Uh, had suffered the uh, you know the, the unfortunate ACL in the regular season finale, but then those snaps de- you know as he was re- recovering in 2020, those snaps decreased to somewhere in the low 70s, I think 70%, and then. This year, 42%, 43% um, through five games, there's got to be, you know, Steve Spagnolo and, and Dave Merritt, people who coach the Chiefs defense, you know, have their reasons why Daniel Sorensen's been playing over Juan Thornhill. They're not going to share it with us, and they're not gonna, we're not going to get practice reports uh, about what's going on. But I just go back to, Sam, what you were saying. I think for the sake of maybe morale, right, that – uh, a, a change has to be made, and you have to uh, kind of maybe at this point live with whatever problems Thornhill has been having, and and ride that at least at least Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very hesitant to write a column like that for the reasons that you just stated, Blair. It's like the 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 amount of information that the coaches have in these situations compared to the amount of information that we have is just undeniable, right? Like practice and meetings and assignments and all those things. Um, but you know, gosh, I just, I, I can't figure out how you can justify still playing Sorensen over Thornhill. I, I just, I really can't, there has to be something. I've wondered if it's health. I've wondered if it's confidence. Um, you know, he was slow to recover from the, from the knee injury, uh, no OTAs. Um, he had something in training camp, right? Was it a hamstring or something that, um, you know, he missed some time. So I, you know, you, you can try to make, you can try to come up with something. Um, but then, you also have to come up with something to justify Daniel Sorensen staying in the game, you know, and, and that becomes pretty difficult. You know, it is, it does harp on that cliche about the definition of insanity. At some point, you just, you're going to keep putting the same group out there and expecting different results, especially when it was so, you know, pronounced last week. Um, and when you Blair used the term symbolically, uh, at least symbolically anyway. And I, I think that's, that's gets at an interesting question. We don't really have any feel for, what statements need to be made in that locker room um, to the rest of the defense, to the rest of the team about how they're going to treat stuff like this. But I, I think we could tell from Tyron's body language and his comment after the game, that there's, I think there tends to be a little morale issue when you've got lapses like that. It's not like, (laughs) you know, you're fine tuning a great product. I mean, you got to look for hard solutions and, and we don't really know why this is a hard solution exactly. Right. I mean, for some reason they've been stubborn about this, but it, it sure seems like um, they just have to shake it up. 
back, going back to training camp, though, Juan Thornhill struggled this year in training camp, and particularly in that uh, preseason opener in San Francisco, he was bad. Um, you know, he has not been the same player since his rookie year ACL injury. Um, you know, the, the, the first month of his rookie year, he struggled. And then something clicked for him. The game slowed down for him, and he took off. I, I think that Dan Sorensen's been in the lineup a lot because they have viewed – his floor as being higher than Juan Thornhill's floor. The difference is that Juan Thornhill's ceiling is so much taller than Dan Sorensen's ceiling that I always thought it was worth the risk of putting Juan Thornhill out there and getting him right. The best way to get him right is more experience, more snaps. And I always thought if that comes at the expense of some learning lumps along the way, then so be it. Because you know what that guy's capable of because he put it on tape as a rookie. And, you know, the, it was a mental thing last year. He says he's completely over that. He told us that in training camp multiple times. And so I, I always thought you, you just got to play the guy. Like I said, he struggled in the first preseason game in San Francisco. But then in one play in Arizona, also in the preseason, he showed you what he's capable of with that interception, a, a play that Dan Sorensen is, does not have the athleticism to make. And, and that's the other point with the defense is, they're missing speed. They're missing athleticism. And Juan Thornhill has, but if nothing else, he gives you both of those things. And Dan Sorensen is supposed to be an assignment sound guy. You, you know, you could chalk up the, the Stefan Diggs play to say he didn't have the speed. It was just, he got beat on the play. Stefan Diggs is one of the top five route runners in all the NFL. A lot of guys get beat on him, but there's no excuse for the Dalton Knox touchdown where he just loses what I leverage Dave Merritt called it on that play. To me, the, the, the floors have changed. And if they both have the same floor, you know Juan Thornhill has a significantly higher ceiling. So you just got to play the guy and, and try and get him right. You, your best defense is with Juan Thornhill on the field playing at his best. Can I just quickly interject how much we all enjoyed Dave Merritt yesterday? Um, <laughs> and Sam, you did a good job uh, writing about that. Sam McDowell. Uh, the line that's always going to stick with me is if if you're chasing two rabbits, you're, you're not going to catch either. But Dave Merritt was also effective. You, you can imagine him being effective in a coaching room with the way he uh, engaged with like five different people, uh, including our friend Pete Sweeney, asking him to take the jump challenge. And he kind of looked over at me for some reason when he was talking about how the head and shoulders are always moving. You have to watch the hips. It was everything I could do not to shake my hips around a little. I just want to say, like, all these guys, they talk in code in these, especially in press conferences. Um, God, I miss the locker room, right, when they would tell you something straight up. But um, in press conference, they all talk in code. And Tyron Matthew and Dave Merritt seem to be talking in code, putting Daniel Sorensen on big blast. And, I mean, it was I, I thought it was pretty obvious. And I think that's that's noteworthy as well. Well, that was the first thing he went to, and he didn't say a name, but but he immediately started talking about why coverages are blown. I don't even remember how the question started it, but I don't think it was quite as exact as he took it. The question was, uh, I forgot who asked it, but the question was basically, what is the primary problem in coverage? And okay. Dave Merritt's answer basically was Daniel Sorensen is the primary <laughs> problem in coverage. No looking at birds or butterflies while you're in coverage. <laughs> Yeah, that's what the eye leverage was about, right? <laughs> you know, paying attention. Um, Brian LaBerge reminds us that Sorensen gives up a passer rating of 158 when targeted. For those that aren't familiar with the quarterback rating, 158 is a perfect score uh, for the quarterback, you know, in the system. 
Listen, the problems of Daniel Sorensen in particular and others uh, on the defense would be mitigated with a better pass rush. And I don't think we talk enough about how bad the pass rush has been in, um, in the base defense. I see other teams, I see Chiefs opponents getting pressure on Mahomes with four without blitzing uh, as you know, Buffalo did not blitz maybe once, I don't know, zero or once uh, on, on, on Sunday. But the Chiefs absolutely don't get pressure with four. And I, haven't, I don't have a breakdown of their seven sacks, maybe one against Cleveland that came with a four-man rush. So how big of an issue is that? And how big of a concern is that? I Listen, I, I'm with everybody else about Sorensen on the back end, but, you know, he – there, there wouldn't be some of this if the if the Chiefs were better up front. And listen, you know how much of their salary structure is committed to the players that are playing along that line right now. The opponent has never not had time to run Wasp, right? <laughs> uh, and th- those problems were amplified too against the Bills without Chris Jones. Um, and I think that Chris Jones on the outside thing should either be shelved or only done in obvious passing situations but um he's the one guy that can beat a guy in front of him and 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 do it consistently and gosh without that you know that that double move by Steph Diggs with a legitimate pass rush maybe he doesn't have time to to do that and you know and the Dawson Knox play was terrible by so it's inexcusable but you know that what that ball was thrown probably 5 seconds after after the snap so um, yeah, they, they need to scheme. I, I've always thought, though, that that you can scheme up some pressure a little bit, you know, with with games or with blitzes and stuff like that. Um, Legarius Sneed obviously has been terrific um, with blitzes. So they, they absolutely need to figure that out. It's like, <laughs> yeah, there's there's no shortage of problems to fix. Right. All right. A couple a uh, couple of quick items uh, as we wrap up. Herbie, what is Andy Reid's record against former assistants? 15 and eight, 15 and eight, but he's lost two straight. Uh, you know, obviously the Harbaugh loss in week two, and then the last week, or excuse me, yeah, last weekend's loss against Sean McDermott. And this is interesting to me because this is the first time, I think, since he's been here with the Chiefs, that he's going to square off against three former assistants within the first six games of the season. He's one and one against Ron Rivera in Washington, but you know, when I look at this matchup, it's like the Chiefs are getting ready to play their own defense. Because when you look at Washington's defensive statistics, it's almost like a mirror image of the Chiefs. This is the game the Chiefs should win, hands down. If they lose this game, then Melly and Vahe, the gloves got to come off like 2012, man. <laughs> you got to go 2012 nuclear version. Yeah, this is the game they should win. If they win by three points, the gloves come off. <laughs> this team, Wow. They just need to hammer this team. I, I really do believe that. What's the line, Sam Mack? Well, it's just it's just six and a half. So I, I don't know if, if Sam's got a guy. I think by by, by math, six and a half is more than three. I, I'll I'll double check that for you though. <laughs> so the question is, I, I would suspect we would all pick the Chiefs to win this game. I'll go down the line. Do the Chiefs cover? Herbie, start with you. They cover. Yeah, they cover. Sam McDowell. Yeah, I guess I think it's going to be a little bit closer than most people. I think it's going to be in that seven to 10 point, which is obviously more than six and a half, but I don't think it's going to be a, a 21 point game. Melly? Uh, so I agree with Sam Mack that they'll cover. Yeah. Okay. And bye. Yeah, I think they'll cover. I think it'll be like a 31 17 game with the Tyron Matthew pick six. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> Greatest hits. <laughs> The Chiefs have only covered two of their last 14 regular season games now. 
So they're the worst running bat in Vegas are, are the Kansas City Chiefs. They haven't won a game by more than 14 since that Jets game, 35-9 to win on November 1st last year. I think Vahe's prediction of uh, Tyron Matthews uh, in her pick six is pretty good because uh, Taylor Heineke, five interceptions over the last four games. They're playing a mirror image. There you go. Still one fewer than Mahomes this season. Um, I'm I'm picking the Chiefs not to cover. I think, listen, the Redskins, the Washington football team entered this year, uh, their playoff team a year ago and came into the season with high expectations not as high as the Chiefs, but to, to win the division again. And they're off to a disappointing start. I like that they're, they have had two common opponents. Both lost to the Bills by 18 points uh, at home. And both have lost to the, the L.A. Chargers. I don't see a great deal of difference in what these teams have accomplished this year. I think there's absolutely more upside with the Chiefs. But Washington at home, the Chiefs don't seem to find a way, to, even when they win, to to make it comfortable. We Everybody talks about these 10 to 14 point victories. I haven't seen that from the Chiefs. Like, the Eagles was, you know, they did punch in a, you know, a late touchdown to, to make it a 12 point game, but maybe it will be more like the Eagles. Um, uh, but I, I don't know. I just, I don't have the, the faith and confidence that the Chiefs can, can win a game with, with, with any degree of comfort. What's the over under Blair on uh, Chiefs turnovers? Of course, that's a key to the whole thing, right? Keep it, keep it under two and, uh, and maybe they do win by two scores. But how do you trust that, right? In Washington, their front four, which is all first-round draft picks, that was terrific last year, had not played well this year, but did start to play well last week in the loss to the Saints. We'll see. We'll see. But we all think the Chiefs are going to go to 3-3, three and three, so that's uh, that's the important thing. And when they do, if they do, we're going to talk to you about it after the game. Uh, noon kickoff Central Time on Sunday, so Tune in to Sportsbeat Live somewhere between 5 and 5.15 on Sunday afternoon, and we will bring you the post-game show with Herbie Teope, Vahe Gregorian, Sam McDowell, and Sam Mellinger. And as she always does, Beth Welsh will produce. So until then, thanks a lot, and uh, have a good morning. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, and Chris Fickett. Tip of the cap to Herbie T.O.P., Sam McDowell, Vahe Gregorian, and Sam Mellinger for stopping by and talking Chiefs. Links to stories about the Chiefs can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Okay, let's talk about the morning sports edition for a moment here. If you're not seeing it, you're really missing out. How do you get it? Well, you go to KansasCity.com and then go to the Stars E-Edition. You know, the E-Edition is a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. When you open the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner that says all editions. Click on that and you can access no less than 15 pages and sometimes as many as, well today, 49 pages of sports. Maybe you get the link in your email. I do and it's there by about 6.30 every morning. But however you get it, it's access to complete coverage of the previous day's sports news, features, statistics, everything. It's fantastic. Hey, thanks for reading The Star and listening to our podcast lineup. You're helping support the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City. And we couldn't produce programs like Sports Beat KC without you. We'll be back on Monday to break down the Chiefs game at Washington. Hope you'll tune in then.